freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Ward, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. All right, rolling on here with Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. And uh, old friend Brady Henderson. Moseyed on over. Did you drive the boat over here and park over on East Lake in order to bring yourself out of bed? And I to... just swam. You know, I'm not usually oh, up this wow. early, so I feel like I needed that jolt of nice. energy. The yeah. wetsuit for that, or uh, you no. just jump right in? Lake Union, no problems. No problems. Wow, that's uh, that's big of you. We got a lot of uh, a lot of football to talk with Brady, but I want to embarrass Brady first. I want to honor him with uh, something spectacular that uh, I learned about this weekend. Brady, you joined a very exclusive club. How do you feel about your first hole-in-one? Well, when I got my first hole-in-one in 2009, I felt <laughs> oh, pretty I good. Oh, I thought it. this was your first. No, well, yeah, so there is, I guess it's, wow. up, for, it's up for debate, right? Okay, okay so let's, we should put this was to the, the poll. Was the first one uh, on a mulligan? <clears throat> no, we should, we should put a poll to the people okay. here. Does a hole-in-one on a par-3 course count as a hole-in-one? Uh, I got two on the third hole at Interbay. One in 2009, the other one was a couple years hmm. ago. So I don't know. This one felt like my first real hole-in-one. Because it was on a full course? It was on a full course, but right. actually the hole was about the same. It was about a 100-yard hole. Okay. So we're, I mean, we Over weren't exactly water. talking TPC Sawgrass number 17, but... Over water? There was some water there into the wind. I think yeah, it it's over more. water, yeah. I mean, that certainly counts. This I, was the one from Saturday. Did though. you or did you not buy drinks afterwards? I was prepared to, and then I basically I was with some friends, and I was flying out that day, and I, oh they basically gosh. had to drop me off at the airport. Oh right after my the round, gosh! So. Hit and run, <laughs> wow! That's yeah. why they call you the hitman. Just hit and run yeah. in this case. Matt Kramer was there, I assume, for this. He was Matt Kramer and right. his soon-to-be father-in-law. Wow! We'll yeah. see if I we'll see if we can get Matt to vouch for this. I'll I'll, I'll drop him a test, a test. See if he can yeah. see if he can vouch for what you did. Well, congratulations Thank either you. way. That's pretty darn cool. Uh, and congratulations to the Seahawks. They actually get involved day one of free agency. Huge surprise your immediate reaction last night or you know late yesterday when you saw that they had signed Draymond Jones probably wow <laughs> my second Shock. my second reaction was I really want to see what the actual numbers on the deal look like because we just get so many reminders and we got another one with Geno Smith deal last week that the numbers that are initially reported those don't always tell the the complete picture because a lot of times they're inflated with incentives so um the reported terms of this deal were three year, and he said it's a three year deal, so we know that. But the reported money was fifty one million dollars. Even if that is inflated by incentives, you're probably talking about a fifteen sixteen million dollar deal, which is still by far bigger than any deal in terms of average per mm-hmm. year uh, that they've given out to an out another free agent from another team. And so, um, I, I sort of was thinking, well, I mean, let's just start with Jones. He was one of the best free agents available in this class. He plays a premium position and a position that is Seattle's biggest need. So um, anytime you're talking about a free agent, even at a lower price point, but especially a guy who's making 17-ish million dollars a year, it's a huge risk. But this guy looks like he's got the the youth at 26 years old, the skill set, even the production averaging about six sacks the last three years uh, to make that a worthwhile gamble. But it, it is a gamble. And anybody who just thinks this is a complete slam dunk, it's going to work out completely like it's, there's going to be no issues, then that's just not how the NFL works. And it's not how free agency works. This is a gamble, but I think it's a worthwhile gamble for well, Seattle. And, and I'll just add to that. It's one they had to take. 
I mean, we were kind of going through this yesterday. You got a major problem if you're the Seahawks on your defensive line, right? It was awful last year. Brian Monet is probably going to miss this whole year if he comes back at all. Um, you've already cut Shelby Harris, who was in and out last year, dealt with injuries. Collier was awful. Puna's probably not a fit with what they're right. trying to do at this point. Al Woods, who knows whether or not he's going to keep playing, right? And so you had a major problem on your defensive line. It's not a very good defensive line for agent class. It's not a very good defensive line uh, draft class. So, like, you almost had to do this. There was almost no choice. Yeah, and and you're just the names you just listed there. You're talking about defensive tackles and defensive ends. That's to say nothing of outside linebackers, inside linebackers. Right. So they need a lot of work on their front seven, and it's more work than you could realistically. It, there's more holes there than you could realistically patch in the draft. I know they've got four picks in the top fifty-three plus a third rounder. Okay, even if you spend all five of those picks on guys up front, are, are you really going to want to rely on five rookies? No, I yeah, don't want to rely on any rookies. Yeah, that, that's just not realistic. And so I, I, I've thought all along that they were going to have to fill some of those holes uh, with a veteran guy or two. I did not think it would be at this type of level uh, with one of the top yeah, free agents. But there weren't too many other – I mean, there aren't even that many lesser free agent options available at the defensive tackle spot. It's not a good free agent class. Not, not yeah. for that position, yeah. certainly. And so once Hargrave went – He's probably next on the list. There's the other guy who signed in Cleveland who's Delvin pretty good Tomlinson. as well. Okay, so you had a couple of guys, but you got one of the two or three that, that you needed to get. So, I, you know, hats off to John and Pete on this. I really like what they did, and we'll talk a little bit more about how this influences them now moving forward. How do you think he fits? 6'3", 280, he's a little bit more athletic, not quite as thick as some of the defensive tackles we've seen. What kind? What does that mean for their scheme? He looks like the type of guy that they want playing in the interior of their defensive line in this new 3-4 front that they have. And I say that because he can play defensive tackle and he can play defensive end. And um, I was looking at some of the metrics last night that we have in our ESPN database. Over the past two years, I think he was eighth in terms of pass rush win rate as an interior guy. Uh, And he was sixth last year, if you just look at last year. So he can push the pocket. He can be disruptive from the interior. That's exactly what they need because they just didn't have enough of that. Really, just didn't have enough consistent playmakers on their defensive line outside of uh, Uchenna Nwosu. And so, um, I think he's a guy you're going to see sort of move around from end to tackle. And again, 26 year old guy just turned 26. The pressure numbers are there. The sack numbers have been there. And you figure that at that age and at the price they're paying him, they're probably counting on him continuing to be an ascending player. Yeah, and that interior pass rush thing that they've looked for essentially since Michael Bennett, right? I mean, like somebody who can slide inside and actually get to the passer by beating up on guards and centers. It's so valuable if you can find it. And they tried over and over again with different guys. And it just felt like each one of them, it just it never really quite worked out. There's a guy they brought in from Tennessee to do this. Jones, I want to say. Oh, boy. That's a John blast Jones, from the past. John, I think it was uh, Josh Jones. Jason Jones. Jason Jones. There yeah. you go. Right? They tried that. They had Hill, who they had drafted. I mean, like, they tried this a number of ways. And now they're going to actually spend some real money to make it happen. Yeah, and, and that was different defensive scheme that they were running at that time. But it is, it is the same idea as a guy who can play inside and outside. And um, there's just not as many of those guys because a lot of those guys, a lot of those body types, you know, some of them are more suited to to stop the run. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's tough to be really good at both. And I know he's – I know um, Draymond Jones is considered a better pass rusher than a run defender. But um, 
he's going to be better than the run defenders they had in the middle of their defense last yeah. year. Uh, by the way, a bunch of people texting us saying that Track just came out with the details. $10 million roughly as a cap hit for Jones in year one and 23 guaranteed at signing. So, I mean, the $10 million, at least for this year, I would think you still have plenty of opportunity to go do more, whether it's Bobby Wagner or anybody else that you want to try to add. Do you think that Bobby is next? I think he's going to be in play now from the sounds of it, just from reading the reports. I think Ed Werder had something on Twitter that it sounded like he was going to want to be patient just to really get a, a strong feel for his market. Um, you know, before yesterday, I would have thought that, look, the again, the, the number going back to the Seahawks sort of history and free agency before yesterday, they hadn't paid more than $10 million mm. to another team's free agent. And so that was kind of the number that was about what Wagner was making last year. I, I didn't think, and I still don't think they would give him something more than that. So if, if they can somehow get it done for under that, God, I, I wouldn't f- give him even close to that. Right? I mean, I don't think anybody is really. Uh, yeah, yeah. At Thirty-two I mean, my years on a Bobby Wagner contract is it was going to be under five million. Forget about ten. Well, that's what he got last year, and he had a, he had a pretty good year. So I don't think it's totally out of the question. But he is thirty-two years old. You just saw. I think part of a big reason why the market was so tempered for Jalen Ramsey and why mm-hmm. the Rams only got a third round pick and a uh, you know a very unknown People tight end. For that. Yeah, he's twenty eight, twenty nine years old. People don't want to pay money for older guys, and so I think Wagner's. I think that's going to hurt him as well. All right. Good stuff. Brady Henderson is in from ESPN.com, where, of course, you can read him and see him and everything else that Brady does for ESPN. Uh, he'll be here all hour. I want to ask him specifically about the number five pick and where you go now that Draymond Jones is in the building. We'll do that coming up in 20 after everything you need to know next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, we're starting to get some details now coming out about the cap hit associated with the Seahawks' big move. Yesterday, they signed former Bronco D lineman Draymond Jones, three years, some $51.5 million. But it looks like the cap hit in year one is only going to be about $10 million. So certainly lots of flexibility left for the Seahawks to continue to be active. In the free agency market, we went to Denver, talked to our guy D-Mac, and he told us what to like about Draymond Jones. He's athletic, so he gives you um, a good inside pass rush. That's that's definitely what he's best at, right? So that's the most exciting thing, that you, you get a pass rush from the inside that you most normally wouldn't get. And he's a, a solid run stopper. But listen, the guy's, the guy's great. He's definitely one of the best guys at his position that was available in free agency. Yeah, 26-year-old player started to emerge over the last couple of years in Denver, out of Ohio State. Very good interior pass rusher, so a great first move in free agency for the Seahawks. There were others that impact them. Last year's starter at middle linebacker, Cody Barton, he's gone, signs a one-year deal in Washington. I believe I heard multiple fans saying they would actually offer to drive him to SeaTac so that he would leave. More frustrating, though, top defensive lineman Javon Hargrave signs a big deal in San Francisco. Again, not coming here, that's fine, but did he have to come to the division? Not ideal. Linebackers, as Brady mentioned a few minutes ago, are signing all over the place, but not for an overwhelming amount. So maybe there is room for Bobby Wagner. And the one very slow market has actually been wide receiver. The only deal signed so far, Jacoby Myers gets three years and $21 million. Not a tremendous amount of money for the wide receiver market. So... Is there an opportunity there for a guy like Adam Thielen, who I think would be a very good fit here in Seattle? We'll find out as free agency continues today. Here's the second thing 
you need to know. Well, Robbie Ray uh, continuing to get himself ready for the season. Looked very good yesterday. 3-2. Swing and a miss. He gets it by him. Strikes out the side. Robbie Ray with six punch outs. He's slicing and dicing the top of the Angels order. We're through three. We head to the fourth. Yeah, he was very good. 28 pitches to get through three innings. Gave up just one run. But the star, once again, Jared Kelnick. The guy has just been unbelievable. Another A-plus day. Two more hits. A stolen base. Both of them uh, up the middle, which was great. Scored a run. Just continuing to show all the reasons that he is whom he is, right? I mean, he was a top-five prospect for a reason. He was traded for for a reason he was brought up to the big leagues at 21 for a reason and the Mariners are sticking with him for a reason as well power speed defense arm he's got all of it and he's been showing it off so far this spring speaking of showing it off top prospect now is Harry Ford just 20 years old and yesterday he went deep again in a WBC game for Great Britain Harry Ford left field and deep and Harry Ford is gone Goodness. Yeah, that's pretty darn cool. His uh, second of the tournament kind of reminds me of what we saw from Julio a couple of years ago with the Olympics for the Dominican Republic. Young player who just starts to capture everybody's attention by doing it on the biggest stage he can. Here's the third thing you need to know. I'm not going to give it much time because it was that bad. The Kraken were awful last night. Goaltending was a problem. Scoring was a problem. Special teams was the biggest problem. Puck control a problem. Turnovers a problem. They just did everything wrong last night. Lose 5-2 to Dallas at home. And so, yeah, a little bit of a watch list. That's three losses in a row, two of them coming to a Dallas team that's good. But you want to be able to play with those teams. And so, uh, yeah, they're going to have a couple days to collect their thoughts before heading to San Jose on Thursday. They struggled down there in their last last game, uh, kind of a trap game before they played the Bruins at home. So hopefully they'll take a little bit more seriously this time because you want to beat some of those bottom dwellers because, uh, yeah, you got other games against Dallas and the good teams still on your schedule. That is everything you need to know. And we do that quarterback every hour here on the new Brock and Salk show. Brady Henderson of ESPN.com is with me the entire hour. Uh, and good to have you here, Brady. Thank you for uh, for joining us. Uh, as we talk through that, uh, for whatever reason, uh, maybe I'm alone on this. I-, I would love to see the Seahawks find a little value at wide receiver. It- it's been a slow market. They don't have a lot of depth at the position. Maybe we're going to see one of those young guys kind of take another step and develop, but I don't have an awful lot of faith in, uh, in, um, in what's his name? Their second-round pick from a couple of years D. ago. D. Eskridge. D. Eskridge. So couldn't even remember his name, for God's sakes. you got to be out in the field to remember your name. So what, what of that? Could you see an Adam Thielen or somebody like that signing a deal here in Seattle? For what? I don't know. For but if the yeah short money I mean like if Jacoby Myers is the best you know wide receiver available he did not get much money today this isn't like AJ Brown DK Metcalf you know is there a third wide receiver fourth wide wide receiver money for a guy like Thielen yeah five million dollars six million dollars if you could get it done for that I mean look everything I know about the Seahawks approach in free agency has been turned upside down in right. the last twenty four hours so if you had asked me this yesterday I would have said you know what just their mo is. They're just not going to spend big money on a number three guy and on another team's free agent. It's going to be more like what they did last year where they were patient and they waited until May and they got Marquise Goodwin. Now, I don't know if they signed him thinking he was going to be their third receiver, and he was pretty good, especially mm-hmm. for, for value-wise last year. Um, but I would think that it would be something like that where it's closer to the minimum salary 
when you're talking about a number three receiver, and Thielen's 32 years old, I think. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I and, I've, and I guess going back to the whole Jones thing is I wonder if, I was thinking last night, is this just a one-off situation where totally a product of the fact that you've got Geno on a low-cap number, $10 million, you've got this this huge, huge need uh, at on your defensive line, and you've got Jones out there. Was this all just sort of in a vacuum decision, or could this maybe signal the start of a, a more of kind of a shift in their free agent philosophy where they are willing to take bigger swings? Now, I, I don't think you're going to see them be, you know, do what Denver did yesterday, where they're just spending money left and right, and it's these, you know, big, huge mm-hmm. multi year deals left and right. Um, but I, I, I was kind of thinking last night is, is I wonder if maybe this is a shift in philosophy. I, so. I think it should be, and not a huge one. Again, I agree with you. They're not going to turn into what the Rams did or something like that. But, you know, every year, I was talking about this an hour ago, every year we say, oh, you know, credit card debt. It's sort of like credit card debt. Eventually, you got to pay the piper. But with credit card debt, the piper you have to pay is like bankruptcy. In the NFL, it's like, hey, you got to sell off some players and you're bad for a year and then you're back. Like the penalty ultimately isn't that high for manipulating the cap. It will catch up with you eventually. We're seeing it in New Orleans. We're seeing it in L.A. Uh, eventually we'll see it in a few other places. Tampa, Tampa Bay. right? So it does catch up with you, but not forever. I mean, it doesn't ruin your life. It ruins a year, maybe two. But you had a whole lot of fun in the meantime. L.A. won a Super Bowl and Tampa won a Super Bowl, right? New Orleans didn't. They didn't do it right. So, you know, that's a bummer for them. But like... Isn't it worth it? If you're Tampa, yeah, you might be bad for a year or two, but you want a Super Bowl. Well, yeah, and I think that the Rams are probably on the most extreme end of that spectrum. And Mm -hmm. they were, you know, trading first round picks for star players signing, you know, and they had a lot of good players on their own that that needed to get paid. Um, I think part of that, too, was, you know, they were and are still really trying to find their footing in an L.A. market. And so their whole approach was let's get guys with name value. But at any rate, I mean, look at the. You could argue that actually, I don't think there's any argument. Like they won a Super Bowl, they went to another Super Bowl, they went to the playoffs a bunch of times. You're talking about a five year window. Pretty good. Any team would take that, and so I, I think I, I do think the the downside is worth the the upside there. Um, but one thing they've always said, and you hear John Schneider say this all the time, is they want to be a consistent championship caliber team that doesn't have those ebbs and flows. And so I do think that that approach is... Yeah, that's fine. I I agree with that approach to a point. But recently, like for the last eight years, they've been a consistent low playoff team. And that's different from being a championship caliber team. They've been a, you know, edge of the playoffs kind of team. And and that's fine. But at some point, that's not good enough. And you got to take some chances in order to take yourself to the next level. Now, the best way to stay sustainable absolutely nail your draft picks. They've got two in the first round, four in the first two rounds. We'll discuss next. Brock and Salk, Brady Henderson's in Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. You guys read the ESPN article that our friend Brady Henderson wrote. The, uh, yeah, the hit piece. Yeah. yeah, the hit piece. We read it. I, we hate him. Got- <laughs> <laughs> Is that Brett the Hitman Hart right there? Welcome. We got Brady the Hitman Henderson. <laughs> oh, I love this song. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. It was basically written for you and your kind. That nasty hit piece you wrote on Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Yeah, we hate him. What's, That's the, matter- my- <laughs> What's the matter with you? Why would you do something like that? Wonder what those guys think of that story now. What do you think they think? Whoops. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. 
I mean, I think whoops is kind of a common refrain in Denver based on yeah. how their last year went. Do you think, I mean, we're going to, I want to talk Seahawks and I want to talk about their draft, but just because you, you happen to bring it up, I think Russ has a better year this year. I don't know if he's yeah. incredible, but I just looking at the pictures of him, dude, he looks like he lost 20 pounds. Oh, really? I oh, yeah. Seen. Oh, dude, he was posting shirtless pictures of himself with his kid because that's not weird. And he looks, he looks like he's lost legit weight. I have thought the same thing, not about his weight, but just about he, that he could have a bounce back season. And I think, and I think we've talked about this before on the air that I viewed a big part of his struggles last year as part of it was there's just a natural regression. That's a big reason why the Seahawks traded him. They thought he's a declining player who doesn't have the same mobility that he used to, and the mobility, mm-hmm. of course, has been such a big part of his game. Uh, and when you don't have that, you know, you're going to have to be a pocket guy, and he's never been that consistently throughout his career I think part of his struggles last year were just the natural progression and if he would have stayed in Seattle you would have he would have had a better season but the trend line still would have been pointing down I think a big part of what happened in Denver last year was he was just in it was the scheme and the coaching there was just some combination of that was not reaching him. And well, he was trying to do things that he is not suited to do. I think all of that is true, except I think he's at fault for some of that. Cause sure. I think it's the scheme and coaching that he wanted and he tried to take over. And so I, I agree with what you're saying. And that's why I think he'll have some, some more success this year. But I think that he's at fault for why that went down. His personality, I think led to a lot of those decisions and we're seeing it start to play its way out in New York now. So Alan Lazard and now Randall Cobb are both apparently trying are going to the jets. Uh, so they are getting all of Aaron Rodgers' buddies, all of his friends. I'm told that they actually offered blue of earth, a uh, small contract. I don't know whether she's going to sign. What's Donald driver up to Donald drivers. Uh, he's actually been a darkness retreat of his own. Okay. So what about Bubba Franks? Can we get Bubba Franks? Yeah, and Gil- uh, Gilbert, uh, uh, Gilbert Brown is yeah. going to be their new nose tackle. Yeah. All the uh, ex-Packers are going to all head to, uh, to to New York together. All right. Uh, so if you want to stay good, Brady, you got to have – you got to draft well. Seahawks did it last year. Best draft they've had in forever. You got number five. You got number 20. You got two picks in the second round. You've signed Geno Smith, but not for so much money that he's a prohibitive problem and would prevent you from signing a quarterback. You have signed Draymond Jones, so at the very least, you've taken care of your biggest pressing need. But you need more help on your defensive line, certainly both at edge and interior. What are you doing, number five? I still think you go defensive player. Yeah, whether it's a pass rushing outside linebacker, uh, maybe more, you know, like Will Anderson. I think if Will Anderson falls to the Seahawks at five and a month ago, that wouldn't have, or even a couple weeks ago, that would not have looked realistic. I think now that there's another quarterback needy team that jumped ahead of them with Carolina trading mm-hmm. into number one, the possibility of that is is I, I think it's there. And and who knows? Maybe some other team trades up with Arizona. Maybe you know, I guess it's not going to be probably the. Uh, the Raiders now that they've signed Garoppolo, but that's another short, could be. that's another smaller it still deal. It could that, be, yeah, yeah absolutely. It, could that, be. it wouldn't necessarily preclude that. So I think if Will Anderson falls to them at five, I, I would imagine that that's like a dream scenario for them. Um, going back to the Geno deal, you know, I, I don't think it precludes them from taking a quarterback early. You know, the way the deal is structured, I, I'm sure you guys have probably got into this now that the details have been out, but they, they are not committed to him truly for more than one season they could get out of this deal after one year and there would be some some cap penalties involved i think it would be like 17 million dollars in change of dead money which is not insignificant at all um but 
you know, they they swallowed, I think, twenty six million dollars in dead money with Russell Wilson. You could spread out the, the dead money charges there. The point is, I think they are comfortably committed to Geno Smith for for at least two seasons. But you could you could get out of the deal with some, mm-hmm. you know, you could get out of it after one year. And so I, I think they could very easily draft a quarterback early. Now, I would guess that it's going to be more of a second round guy, maybe Hendon Hooker or somebody like that. Uh, than it would be with the number five overall pick, especially now that three teams are drafting ahead of them that need quarterbacks. You figure there's going to be three quarterbacks and, on. And there's a very good chance it's four. I mean, if yeah. Arizona decides to deal back, if they decide they don't need a quarterback, which, by the way, that's on them because they should be drafting a quarterback this year. But, hey, I don't work in Arizona. They can screw up their own organization. Um, you may see all four quarterbacks go before you even draft. It's never happened before, so obviously the odds are against it. But if there's somebody out there that likes Will Levis enough – or who wants to or doesn't want Will Levis and wants to jump up uh, to where the Cardinals are at number three, three, right, and wants to get ahead of the Colts, it's not impossible at all that you watch this go. I mean, right now we're hearing that, that Carolina likes both Richardson and Stroud. Okay, let's say they take Stroud. And then Houston's number two, and they say, okay, we're going to take Bryce Young because that's the obvious thing to do. And now all of a sudden – you know that if Anthony Richardson gets to Indianapolis, they almost have to take him. So if you believe that Richardson's much better than Will Levis and you are whomever, you just mentioned the Raiders. You're the Raiders. You're sitting there at, what, six, seven, seven. something like that? Could you trade up to number three with Arizona? Make sure you grab Richardson. Okay, you do. And now if you're Indy, you still need a quarterback. So you give it a run with Will Levis and hope that it works. Now your quarterbacks are going one, two, three, four. You're the Seahawks. You got Jalen Carter. You got Tyree Wilson. You've got Will Anderson. What do you do? What would I do? I yeah. would go Will Anderson. Would you? Yeah, I would. So he plays more of an outside linebacker in this game. Yeah, he he is he is your classic outside linebacker. Whereas uh, Tyree Wilson, he looks more. He's six six two seventy five ish. That's more of a, a Carlos Dunlap mm-hmm. uh, body type that he would probably be better suited to play uh, defensive end. And maybe if he puts on a little weight, he can be a guy who, who moves inside. So uh, two kind of different body types there. But I, I just think, look, it, you can't rule out the possibility of the Seahawks drafting the quarterback because I think for among other reasons, well, there's the Geno contract. In the fact, they're only really committed to him for one year. But then just look at their history. And I think we've talked about this, too. Go back to 2017. They fell in love with Patrick Mahomes. And everything I've been told is that they would have drafted him. Other people have reported this as well. They would have drafted him had he fallen to them. A year later, they call the Cleveland Browns uh, asking about Cleveland's interest in trading the number one overall pick for Russell Wilson. Uh, and my understanding is they were in love with Josh Allen. So the point is that they're, they could fall in love with a guy. Now, I think it would take that. I, I absolutely think it would take them falling in love with one guy and that one guy falling to them mm-hmm. at number five. As so you a, don't think there's any chance they trade up for it? So what if you're the Seahawks and you watch C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young go 1-2 and you're in love with Anthony Richardson? How much does it cost to trade up to number three? Now, I don't know if the Cardinals are going to trade with you. Right, in the division. Maybe the Cardinals just say, no, we won't do that. But let's pretend that's not it. Let's say the Cardinals are willing to deal even within their division just for the sake of this argument. Do you trade up to number three to try to say, we? and if you believe, if you're John Schneider, and you think Richardson's in that category. He's the guy that you've fallen in love with. Would you do it? If if you think he's that guy, yes, I, I would do that. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, you figure, okay, the, I don't have the draft value chart in front of me, but I would imagine that the cost to go from five to three is probably equivalent to something in the second round. Yeah, it probably yeah, it's probably a late second, early third, somewhere yeah. in that range. Okay, so so you just think of how easily they could recoup that value when they're picking at twenty. That's a spot. That's kind of a range in the draft where they like to trade down, anyways. So if you trade down from uh, twenty to I don't know, I guess you, to, to to get a second round pick, you'd probably have to trade back into like the early second round mm-hmm. uh, to to get another second round pick for moving back that far, but. Yeah, and and I mean, look, it's a second round pick. If if you're if the cost of you know getting a franchise you know generational quarterback is that like yeah, you easily pay that. Now you raise a good point about Arizona. Is Arizona going to trade back and arm a division rival with a quarterback? I have a hard time seeing that. I do too, but I just sort of look at this and say you know uh, just based on one of these charts. This is the draft tech chart. There's a ton of them, but yeah. this uh, shows that there would be a 500 point difference between number uh, number five and number three, and you have your your second round pick is worth 530. There you go. So, I mean, if you wanted to give up the 37 pick, that's about the value that it would take for you to move up to uh, to number three. If you wanted to move up to number four, uh, it's even a little bit less than that. It's actually significantly less than that. It's only 100 points to move up. So what if, what if Arizona says, okay, we're drafting Will Anderson, and now maybe you could trade back one with Indy? Right. And and say, OK, we love this. Oh, I'm I'm intrigued by that. And it hasn't been talked about that much because it doesn't feel like what the Seahawks would do. But I think you're right. When you talk about their history, they know the quarterback is the thing that makes the world go round. If there's an opportunity to get the guy they're in love with, don't you have to? Do, I feel like you owe it to yourself to do it. Yeah, it's just a matter of if that guy is going to be there. And I, I don't think it's going to be a case at all where. They're saying, well, we'll just take whatever quarterback is there, whatever one of the top four guys. They should not is, do that. Yeah, is there? I, they they don't need a quarterback that badly. They've got Geno Smith coming off a Pro Bowl season, who is under a, a pretty manageable contract for the next three seasons. So again, this is going to have to be if they are to draft a quarterback, it's going to be a situation where mm. the the one guy that they love. Uh, Falls to them. Talking to Brady Henderson of ESPN, ESPN.com. He's in uh, all this hour. And then Shannon Dreyer will join me coming up in 20 minutes. We'll get a little report from Peoria where Robbie Ray looked great yesterday. We want to hear about J.P. Crawford and his soggy right shoulder. So uh, a lot going on. We'll talk to Shannon coming up in 20. Uh, Each time I've asked you about it and asked you about defense, you've sort of gone towards Will Anderson, which means away from Jalen Carter. Is that because of talent? Is that because of position? Or is that because of you know, off field, whatever is going on with him. It's the latter. Yeah. And I, I remember, I think a month or so ago, I was, I had, you had me on to do blue 88. Yes. I want to say blue 42. It used to be blue 42. Yeah. And, and I think that's when the Seahawks maybe were slated to pick at three. And then I said, Jalen Carter would be the guy that I take just because guys like that interior guys, I, it seems like they are less plentiful than mm-hmm. the, the edge guys, but Knowing what we know, knowing what's come out about him, I and I'm not necessarily saying what I would do. It's more about what I think the team would do. I just think that all of that history, and, and not just the, the incident that came out, right, the the very tragic story where right. uh, he was, you know, involved in a, a car accident where he was allegedly racing a car, and, and a teammate and another staffer at Georgia passed away in that incident. Um, I don't think that was like the first sort of quote unquote red flag on mm-hmm. his resume. I think there's been other stuff. And so I just think picking at that high, obviously the, there's the upside there with the player. I just don't know if they would want to expose themselves to that risk. Um, 
I just keep coming back to this idea, and and maybe I'm insane, but I I try to think. Okay, how, if you're the Seahawks, how do you go from good to great? That's the goal. What does Pete love more than anything? Defense. You're not going to have an opportunity in this scenario to get one of the top quarterbacks that you love. So you've already signed Draymond Jones. He's going to play one of your defensive line spots. Can you draft Jalen Carter with the other? Right now, those two guys are forming a young, you know, just absolute terror squad inside. And if you want a nose tackle to put with them, take your number 20 pick, trade it for Vita Vey. And take on that salary? Yep. What's the salary? I don't know. I don't care. It, the cap's a myth. Whatever. D- take on whatever you need to. I mean, so what? Right? In a few years, you're going to need to draft a quarterback, and Geno's money's probably going to come off the books. But in the meantime, how about that defensive line? And oh, by the way, what it does for your ability to find linebackers who are now playing behind Vita Vea and uh, these two young studs. And now your your safeties, who you really like and have paid yeah. a lot, can be a lot more valuable. And you've got a star cornerback on one side. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got a young boy, a Mafe. You like what you've done on the edge. Oh, you still have your second round picks to draft edge players, of which there are many, to draft a center, of which there are many, and you have some need there. Like, how different does that make your team? It feels like almost overnight. It certainly would. And and it's a good point, too, about making the linebackers better. I, I think part of what you saw with the, the Cody Bartons, I mean, I don't want to put that all on the, what was happening in front of him, but I do think that, you know, he's going to Washington now, probably the best defensive line in football. I actually think he could have a decent season mm-hmm. there playing behind those guys. So it is a good point about your guys up front can make your inside linebackers better. Um, if they are truly, if this truly is a shift in philosophy and they are, going, you know, all in, which I don't think they're going to do, then, yeah, I think that a guy like Vita Vea would make more sense. I, I still don't. I think this was what you saw with Draymond Jones was more of a one-off sort of opportunity, unique opportunity that presented itself. And I just don't think they're going to want to take on the salary for a veteran guy when they've got the draft capital to maybe find that guy. You might be right. By the way, guys, it's a $17 million a year average, uh, $6.5 million cap hit this year. For Draymond Jones? Vita Vea. For Vita Vea. Say it again. Uh, $6.5 million cap hit this year. He has a $17 million a year average. So basically the same amount as what you just paid for Draymond Jones? Less even? Sold. Yeah, and, and, and that's price. his cap hit for Tampa Bay. When you trade a guy, you're not taking on steal it twice yeah, the price. Tampa Bay eats some of the dead money there, some of the cap hits. So. Where do I sign up? Done. I would do that in a flash. Now I don't know whether Tampa trades Vita Vea for a number twenty pick. Maybe they don't. But they're in cap hell. They're not going anywhere right now. A number twenty pick would be awfully valuable for them, and I'd be willing to give it up for a player of that nature because whoever you get at number twenty, what they're going to be better than Vita Vea? No. The odds are that they are not. I think that's a fantastic deal for the Seahawks. I would make that in a and, – and, Brady, I'll argue with you a little bit I'll, more by playing a, a hypothetical. Yes, maybe Draymond Jones is a one-off. Maybe this is just, hey, here's a chance to, to fill a position we need. But maybe at the end of the year, Pete Carroll walked into John Schneider's office and said, John, I can't deal with this. I can't do it. I need a defense that is good. Not good. Great. Stop messing around. We need to go get the best players we can on our defensive line because what we have there right now is not good enough. Get me the best. And so he went into free agency and said, okay, I'm going to grab this guy. And he's going to go into the draft and say, I'm going to grab that guy. And if that's the case, of course you take on the salary of Vita Vea. It's not cost prohibitive. 
and it gives you a much better player at a position of need, bringing him back to a city that he's already lived in. And it was pretty good. Really good. Yeah, and he would be he would be a really nice compliment to what Draymond Jones is because Draymond Jones is more of the angular defensive uh, lineman guy who can move outside. Vita Veda is that humongous. Uh, I don't want to say I don't want to call him a run stuffer because he is a guy who can create pressure from the interior, but he is that bigger body mm-hmm. uh, that I think would would pair pretty nicely. Now we're, we're talking about this all in a hypothetical sense. I don't know if Vita Veda is available. I know the Bucks are in salary cap hell, and um, it looks like they may have just restructured his contract because he's because he's got a crazy low base salary this mm-hmm. year of only a little over one million, which is the minimum. Um, so that would be very very attainable. Very manageable. Dude, I'm super interested in something like that. Plus, as a few of the texters have pointed out, it would give me the opportunity to maybe interview Vita again. It went so well the last time. Vita, what's your favorite thing to do on a football field? Um, I, I, I guess just playing. See, there you go. Like I would have the opportunity to have that conversation again with Vita Vea, one of uh, one of my favorites of all time. That's a lot of dead air. That was uh, about as much dead air as we've ever allowed on the show. It was uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable and the whole interview was like that. It was uh why I've reiterated to Brock my rule, no college kids on on the radio before 10 a.m. ever. There you go. And really it should be noon. Yeah. Like if I like the 10 to noon part's not my business. But no college kids on the radio before today. Who was that guy, that that deadbeat guy that the Mariners had at catcher? That, Adam Moore? Yeah. Who slept through our 11-something yeah. interview? Yeah, that was great. That was another fantastic example of what happens when you let uh, players on early in the morning. So, look, I, I don't know. Th- those are all very real possibilities. I get a text or 253 says maybe Jody Allen wanted a philosophy shift. Maybe Jody wanted to be a little bit more aggressive. We don't know how much longer she's going to own the team. We don't know how much longer Pete's going to be here. Could that be another reason to be a little bit more aggressive and maybe, you know, take on some of that long-term debt in order to be better right now? I would say – I don't know. That that could be, but I think that generally speaking, owners are in favor of spending less cash. <laughs> and it's the it's the general manager and the coach who are pushing the owners to say, hey, can we get a little bit more budget? Remember that there's teams operate under cash budgets. It's not just the salary cap. It's cash budgets. And I think that the conversation is usually more so uh, – the front office trying to get the owner to spend more money. Not gosh, this owner has what second or third most money in the league. Yeah, third maybe. I mean, obviously uh, the the Walmart family in Denver. Jerry and Jones. Then, is it below Jerry Jones? I thought they had more money than Jerry. No, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's Denver, and then I think Jerry Jones is. I imagine would be second. Really? Oh, see, I thought it was Cronky second, and then and then the Allen family, and then Jerry Jones. So I don't know, but regardless, sure. they're going to be in the top five. Quick bit of Seahawks news here, guys. Not a big one. Adam Schefter said the Seahawks are releasing Quentin Jefferson. Oh, yeah. Um, He did quietly have five and a half sacks last year and can kind of play all around that line. The Seahawks hated their defensive line last year. Can we just go ahead and say that? They hated their defensive line last year. So you release Quentin Jefferson. You release Shelby Harris. You're probably not going to re-sign Puna Ford. Can we just say they hated what they did defensively on the defensive line last year? I think it's fairly safe. LJ Collier's not going to be back. Yeah, you heard Pete say that with you and Brock last week, like yes. right after the season. That's- the the only player I could see returning from that defensive line, unless it's at you know major league or a, a minimum NFL minimum veteran minimum, is Al Woods, because nobody else in defensive line was very good last year. Shelby Harris Brady, I think you would say was good at times. 
but on, yeah. but not healthy. So if you can get him back on a on a minimum deal, okay, fine. But Quentin Jefferson wasn't good. He didn't fit the scheme all that well. He had five and a half sacks. Okay, but like, was he creating those sacks, or did he fall into some of those sacks? And and the plays where he didn't have sacks, was he an effective game changer for them at this stage in his career? No, I I don't see him as a very good fit. I didn't. I don't see Puna Ford as a fit here anymore. I, I don't. I don't. See, I don't. I move on from everyone who was here last year except for Al Woods. And Shelby Harris, if he wants to come back at you know veteran minimum, yeah, Al, Al Woods is not making a whole lot of money, and he is. I think he showed last year that he is still a very, very good run defender, good in the room. I mean, yeah. really good leader. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I mean, but the question, you know, he's thirty five years old. He's entering the last year of his contract. You just don't know how much longer he's going to want to play. So, but I, I agree with you on. Uh, I, I was, you know, I thought that if it was going to be between. Quentin Jefferson and Shelby Harris that Jefferson was more what much more likely to be released and it sounds like that is going to happen or it mm-hmm. certainly sounds like he's not going to be back uh, on his contract. I, I agree with you. He he was a good player last year. I don't think he was I, I think he was healthier than that. I think the one game he missed or one of the two games he missed one of them was like for a family situation early in the season. So I think he was healthy enough. Uh, I think he was productive, but I think you can get that level of play for less than what they would have owed him. So I think that was more of just a value decision there. Um Jefferson, I, I I thought there was a chance they could cut him, but I thought there was a chance that they could view the the, the cap number as pretty manageable for a guy who had five and a half sacks last year. And, and yeah, maybe it's fair to wonder if if that was not so much a product of him beating defensive or beating offensive linemen as uh, more so capitalizing on pressure from other guys. But um, I think the in the bigger picture, look, that group was just not good last year. Mm-hmm. It was not. It was not good. You needed to make major changes to your defensive line, which is why I'm I'm promoting a plan, Brady. They completely alter your defensive line plan, and it involves drafting Jalen Carter and trading for Vita Vea. And all of a sudden, your defense looks real different than it did at the end of last year. Hey, that's a great hour. Thanks for coming by, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be back. You guys can read Brady at ESPN.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Brady Henderson, where he was literally tweeting while sitting here. He's a man of multiple talents. He can do everything at Brady Henderson. And uh, yeah, read him at ESPN.com. See him on TV at ESPN and hear him fairly often. And watch him hit a hole in ones on golf courses. Yeah, apparently. Brady Henderson coming to Druid's Glen near you. Now, when if you were to get a hole in one at Druid's, what would be the most likely hole for you to get it on? None of them, but uh, <laughs> 16? 3, maybe? That's a tough one, but yeah, no. Um, the What's the one? 11. 11? Yeah. Yeah, the, the downhill. downhill. Alright, yeah, I guess that's probably it, where he yeah. just sort of pops in or something like that. Yeah. I'll tell you what, you get a hole in one at number six at Druids, and then there'll be some real toasting. Oh boy. You put number six in in one, you and I will but be You're just uh, happy to get on the I, green. I, I will be six. very, very excited. There you go. There's Brady Henderson, fantastic hole in one golfer and Seahawks reporter. Shannon Dreyer joins us next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on seven ten.